0: Hello everybody, welcome to this week's edition of the NFNL podcast. I'll be your host, Nicholas Sacco, and we have another great edition in store for you this week. We'll be chatting to two of the coaches from our junior rep sides that played two great games across Saturday and Monday. Yeah, During the Queen's birthday weekend, we'll get a bit more of an understanding of the program itself and maybe a couple of the future stars, not just in the NFNL competition, but possibly in our AFL and AFLW programs too. We'll also preview this weekend's action in our senior men's and women's competitions. Some great games to look forward to across all of those divisions. And we'll speak to the senior women's coach of the Eltham Football Club, in Darren Cardamoni following his side's 7-2 and two start to the season. And we'll get a bit more of an idea of where they see themselves in the next few weeks leading up to a potential finals campaign. But in the meantime, we'll get straight into it. And as I said off the top, over the weekend, we had our uh, junior representation squad games played over the Queen's birthday weekend. We had some great results from all six of our teams and it was fantastic to see the metro competition back up and running for our under 14s and under 15s and we'll get a bit more of an idea about how it all went down over the long weekend now and we'll begin with our first chat with our coach this one the under 15 boys B coach in Adam Sevas. Now joining us on the NFL podcast was the under 15 boys B coach from the Junior Representation Games over the long weekend in Adam Sevas. Adam, thanks so much for coming on and giving us a bit of your time.
1: Morning, Nicholas. No worries at all, mate. It's a Uh,
0: pleasure. Thank you, Adam. Uh, Let's start with the two games and and I guess a bit of an insight into how the results came about. Saturday was a very impressive 102-point win and You know, I'm sure it would have been a joy for for all the boys to get a result like that, to kick kick things off. Um, You know, what were the takeaways the boys had from a result like that? And I'm sure it would have been pretty pleasing scenes all around.
1: Absolutely. Um, The boys were wrapped. They sang a song after the game was concluded. And uh, the uh, Rital League, unfortunately, um, weren't as strong as what we were predicting them to be. I know last year we played them and... uh, we also had a very favourable result. Um, it was good for our boys just to get together, to, to gel together. You know, they flicked the ball around quite rapidly um, and scored very heavily against the middle. Um, in the end of the day, we ended up uh, having the rotations work beautifully. Um, it was nearly went back to the under-9s level where you, where you swap the back line to the forward and the forward to the middle just to give everyone a bit of a run on the ball and up forward line. So... The boys were uh, were really um, they were okay with that. And going into the second game, we knew it was going to be tougher. Um, and uh, unfortunately, they got the jump on us in the first quarter. But uh, for the uh, three quarters following, we, we knuckled down and changed um, midfield up a little bit and got tough and got to bit tougher in there and um, had some scoring opportunities. But uh, you know, twenty points was the margin throughout the whole um, game. as was a seesawing. We just couldn't get a quick couple of goals just to make it a bit closer, but really rapid with the boys' performance. There's um, some really good clearances, some great defensive structure, and also um, some forward power there as well. So uh, all in all, the, the kids had a really good time. They were uh, comfortable with their lineup and um, got to know their teammates a little bit better, which is also good. Not to mention the crowd. The crowd was unbelievable there yesterday. So <laughs> a few of the boys uh, were getting a little bit overwhelmed, I think, but... Uh, a really good result in the uh, in the end uh, obviously not on the scoreboard 32 points you know he's a 5 goal loss still but a good result with some of our plans that we put in place um, we're working we were just just got uh, jumped in that first quarter unfortunately so it's something to take into the third game and explain to the boys that you know we need to be a lot tighter as soon as the first bounce goes so
0: yeah I mean look I mean there's a lot to take out from those games which is great you know I spoke to you on the jumper presentation night in terms of what the experience would mean you know to the, to the squad and I know you've been in the program for a couple of years now but you know do you think that the, the team that you were able to coach on the weekend will will take a lot out of the experience of had and even if it doesn't you know do yeah. anything further down the track um, just being yeah. able to represent the league the way they have
1: well, 100% um, some of the boys have already shown a lot more relationship um from the boys that played last year and, the, and then the new boys that have come in this year have, have, have felt welcome from, from day one. Um, the development series was all about them uh, playing on a big ground with, with a really fast competition and they'll take away some really good positives from this. I mean, different voices in the coaches' box, uh, different setups in the coaches' box from what they're normally used to at club level. Um, and I know I feel the boys are really trying to impress uh, to be invited to the um, under 16s training sport as well so um, there's still a few boys you know they dropped their heads a little bit if something didn't go their way and that's something that we can we can work on I suppose the disappointment of dropping a mark or getting caught holding the ball uh, which is what we reiterate you know we, we don't we don't mind if you guys make a mistake because that's how you learn that's how you develop you know next time be a little bit quick on a hand pass or use your voice a little bit more so but definitely good positives to take out of the
0: two games so far played. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, it's great that the reiteration of of keeping those positives up, particularly at that level, has been emphasized throughout, you know, games like that, for example. Um, But, I mean, talking about the development of of those boys, you know, I said that you coached some of the team last year as well and you've yeah. seen some of them develop. How pleasing has it been to see that development now that you've seen them actually play at the level they have this year compared to last year? I'm sure you'd be wrapped yep. to see um, the continued improvement across the board.
1: All kids have definitely um, developed both physically um, and mentally as well. Like, the, you know, the structures in place, they were understanding uh, more of it this year. Um, the, the good thing was what I saw was uh, a couple of photos from some parents they've, uh, they've sent me through and uh, just the boys you know they, they play obviously against each other on a Sunday and uh, they're hugging each other and they're listening to what was said in the coach's box with a really you know um, uh, vigorous look you know they they, they were in, intent to listen and, and to, to perform so that is um is really good to see it was, a, um, yeah, it was a couple of boys out there that um we've got some really good characters in the team and <laughs> You know, they did a couple of flashy things and they really built um, the other boys up, um, gave, gave them confidence as well. So I think our leadership group um, really stood up and, um, and did, did really well. We actually had one in each. We had one in the forward, uh, one in the middle, one in the back. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was it was really pleasing to see. I'm sure that my assistant coaches and the support staff um, and with the volunteers also um, could acknowledge that as well. So it was... Just a, it was a really good day you know, and I suppose having all the all the A's there as well, having a look at us you know prior to their game, um, and then us hanging around and watching and being involved with, the, with the, uh, their side as well. Uh, all in all was a really good event yesterday as well
0: what were the key differences you felt from the program this year compared to last of course you know again you know some of the development of those kids may have been halted a little bit due to COVID or a couple of other factors as well but you know now that you've had two full years at it in the development program and and seeing these kids you know rise up in terms of their skills have there been any big differences in terms of how the games have been played or is it just more about focusing on those kids
1: the physicality and the intent to get the ball is is definitely lifted due to their age. Young, the younger 14s was good, you know. Um, even for myself, coaching uh, to begin with a certain structure on drills and you know uh, capacity to read read the um, the boys, which boys were capable of doing what, and then you know splitting up into our um, into our groups uh, to achieve the best for these kids coming through this year in particular. Um, we constructed drills that were a little bit more uh, intent on hitting up our 45s and bit more technical. Um, it was last year we sort of just I um, coached in a way that was um, dedicated to just a really big fun component and then also uh, mix it up with the technical side and also um, just building up the comradeship with the boys. This year in particular um, the skill level was a lot better so um, the boys had listened and they, and they went over, over um, the break and were practicing their left and right foot. I think their opposite side of their body was a lot stronger this year. And their preferred side of their body, they were hitting targets a lot more this year. So um, although the first game was really windy and cold in Bromsy, <laughs> some of them couldn't feel their, feel their hands. <laughs> they, were, they were a little bit chilly. Um, I think just generally the skill level of what they learned on the track for the 10 weeks that we've, we've had them for so far this year has increased. And... It comes down to really good support in the box as well. We, um, we had a really good uh, structure and uh, game planned. worked really well, um, but we just couldn't get over the line with the AD, EDFL. Um, probably would have taken one or two goals just to break that 20-point margin, but
0: um, the
1: boys were fantastic.
0: Adam, it's been great to hear all the positives that have come out from the program, particularly over the weekend and that, you know, there'll be a lot of kids to look out for in the coming years, I'm sure. Thanks so much for coming on and giving us a bit of your time today.
1: No worries at all, mate. Thanks very much, Nicholas.
0: Great to hear from Adam Sevas there, the coach of the Under-15 Boys B squad from the weekend. And we'll continue along the lines of the topic from the AFL Vic Metro Junior Development Series that took place over that Queen's birthday long weekend. And we'll speak to the coach of the under-15 girls A-side, Ari Shaka, And we'll get to him now. Now joining us on the NFNL podcast was the coach of the under-15 girls A-team from the weekend of action with our junior representative program, Ari Shaka. Well, Shaka, I should say. But, Harry, thanks so much for coming on and giving us a bit of your time. Uh, Thanks, Nicholas. Um, We'll start with the two games then from the weekend, um, and we'll go with Saturday's game. A nice 37-point win for your squad against the YJFL team and a couple of standout performances. Caitlin Busatil as well uh, being one of the best on the ground from that win. A great result from the girls uh, for the girls, I'm sure and i'm I bet they would have all been very pleased to kick off the weekend with a win like that.
2: Well it was good I think um you know the win that we had with the girls was um, was quite good you know they started the momentum rolling um, you know for our our squad and you know when we talk about the squad we talk about the whole squad, the A's and the B's because we did train all together. Um, so, you know, to get that first win up, you know, and bring that momentum through or really shine through and brought a bit of energy to the second game, um, with the B's and the good thing that um we've got we witnessed was um, you know, at the end of that second game how all the um players or all, all the A players that came and watched that game ran out and celebrated the second win as well, you know. So, um like like we discussed previously that we we kept the squad pretty much together until the end, you know, when we had to separate. So it was a good thing to see, but um, it was really good.
0: And then on Monday, not quite the same result going down to the EFNL side, who, you know, have always been, I guess, the stronger side in, in these competitions in the last few years. Uh, you know, experiencing both the wins and the losses throughout the weekend, I guess, has its benefits in terms of the girls being able to understand, you know, and, and getting some takeaways from results like that what did you think the takeaways were from the girls um, from the weekend's games?
2: Uh, well, I think, um, uh, look, the second game was a little bit different. Like, like uh, we know Eastern's always been a very strong uh, league. Um, you know, they, they spend a lot of time um, with their development of the their juniors um, coming through. So they, they um, and, uh, you know, they were just a better side for us, even though we had we had plenty of opportunities um, you know, to to do well, we just couldn't convert. Our biggest, what we learned from that game there was that our forward structure, unfortunately, just let us down just a little bit. We just couldn't convert. But to Easton's credit, they were um, they were quite strong. Like in our third quarter, we had 14 inside 50 entries, and we only converted a point. You know, um, you know, in you know real time, we we always asked the girls for a 50% um, sort of uh, strike rate. You know. You know, even 14 entries, you know, seven points or, you know, three goals, four or something like that. And the result would have, you know, could have changed or, you know, made a difference. But from that, I think, um, we, we take away that every game is different. And, um, you know, you need to be switched on and, and prepared and well prepared, um, you know, for every, every occasion and every game and every, you know, um, every league and every, uh, com, um, team is different, you know, and you need to be just uh, ready to go.
0: I spoke to you during the jumper presentation about you know the importance that this program does have for girls' development. You know you've been part of it now for at least the last couple of seasons. Um, you know how uh, pleasing has a... how pleasing yes, has yeah sorry I was just going to say how pleasing has it been to see the continued development and and you know seeing the skills brought out um, by having these games.
2: Well yeah, thanks, Nick. Um look well, I've been a part of um the rep program now for four four consecutive seasons, yeah. you know. So my first year was um as an assistant in the under fifteens under Owen Blizzard and then um from there, you know, him and I we decided we'll go into the uh you know, we'll, we'll move into the fifteen girls, you know, in that COVID twenty twenty. So we started I started as the head coach of that of the um, the under 15 girls as a general, you know, not A's or B's. And we wanted to upskill our girls in our league, you know. And, you know, COVID took over in the first year, so no one played football. And then last year, we basically, you know, started putting that um, development program in place. And we uh, won one game out of uh, four. And this year, you know, in, you know, we continued on with the development and that program in place. Uh, with bringing in specialized coaches and, um, you know, for running and tackling and kicking. And we could see the results already. So in, in the under 15 girls program, we had, you know, we won three out of four games so far. So, you know, we went from a 25% um, turnaround to a, you know, a 75% turnaround. So development, like we said that night on the jumper presentation, it's really, really not about the result. It's all about the process that you put in place and, um, uh, and the results will look after themselves. So I think, on that thing I think uh, we've
0: done quite well absolutely you have and I mean I know you say it's not too much about the results but you know it's a I think from the weekend it was a great way to see the continuous improvement that the program has brought among these girls which has been Fantastic. Who were who some of your more impressive players throughout the afternoon? I mean, you know, there would, there would always be some standouts in, in games like that, But and, and I'm sure there were also at other stages where, you know, it was a real team effort and it was great for everybody to get involved, particularly seeing as, you know, those players obviously would be playing against each other normally rather than, than with each other. But was there anyone that, you know, really had that was a standout for you in terms of the way they played on over the weekend?
2: I think all the girls contributed really well, you know. I think um, I was quite impressed, look, um, with our A side this year and last year, we actually brought in some bottom ages just to try and give them a taste of um, um, in the A's, in the Division 1, you know, what to expect. So we we just wanted to educate those bottom ages and, um, you know, there's going to be some really good bottom ages that that we came through um, this year that will lead uh, hopefully the next group next year you know what I mean because they've, mm. they've experienced it so as a squad in general I think um, I think they all you know to win a game of football you need all 18 or 24 to contribute with their contest and and their effort and uh, I, I think that uh, you know you have um, you know the standouts like you know Caitlin and Jade did on the in the second game and so on but at the end of the at the end of the day you need all 24 to contribute for a result you know and um um, for a winning result and look and that first win against uh, you know the YJFL you know was a really good um, you know like I said positive energy that brought us all into you know together because um, we've always been together like I said until the end of we only separated that one week before the jumper presentation so you know the squad staying together I think did well for, for each other you know
0: well, it's great to hear you know all the benefits that have come out of the program and the success that the weekend had had uh, with the squad that you had coached and with all the squads that represented the NFNL as well. Ari, thank you so much for coming on and giving us a bit of your time today. We appreciate it. No
2: way. Thank you, Nicholas. Talk soon.
0: Ari Shakare joining us as part of his role in the junior development series with the Girls Squad. Great to hear from him and the pleasing aspects that have come from the program in terms of the junior development of the girls which is great and which i'm sure we'll continue to see for many years to come but in the meantime let's head to a preview i guess of the uh, senior men's and women's competitions coming up this weekend before we get to that preview though we'll we'll start with the one game that did take place over the queen's birthday weekend and that was between mcleod and north heidelberg and this game ended up being a really close battle was, we knew that it was going to be an interesting contest from the outset speaking last week as well with Josh Ward and, and talking about the key factors coming into it and well it was a five-point win in the end for McLeod nine thirteen sixty-seven 67 to North Otterburg 9 8 and you know it was a bit different today around one meeting when the Roos got up by 40 points we knew that the Bulldogs were going to be a bit of a tougher challenge considering they had won the previous three games in a row but um, yeah it was a very interesting battle definitely an interesting one to call from uh, call for to say the least uh, you know it was a nice start for the Bulldogs they had control of the contest in that first quarter and they you know it felt like at times that they were going to run away with it but an excellent second and third or at least the first part of the third quarter from McLeod got them back within the game and and gave them a nice little lead. They got to as much as 23 points midway through that third quarter before North Heidelberg were able to claw their way back into the contest. Surprisingly, the opposite effect of what you would expect to happen following two yellow cars, Jesse Tardio and Billy Hogan. They were able to get a bit of a run going. They kicked three consecutive goals and were able to reduce the margin to the single digits heading into the final term. But McLeod, they were able to just hold their nerve in the end, Uh, despite losing the quarter two goals to one an important major from Anthony Doherty in the mid-stages of the final term was enough to get them over the line they now sit on the same points as North Heidelberg both sides just two points shy of a top five spot and while of course the other teams still have to play their round 10 fixtures it's going to make for a very intriguing final couple of months of home and away action in Melbourne Greyhounds Division 1 a lot to look forward to and a lot of fixtures to keep an eye on and we'll start with The ones that are occurring this week in uh, round 10. We'll go to Mal Greyhounds Division 1, of course. And I guess the big one there to talk about will be Bundura at West Preston Lakeside. Now, you know, we know that the Bulls are looking very, very dangerous at the moment. They've only lost two games so far from their nine matches. And West Preston Lakeside, well, particularly with McLeod and North Heidelberg right uh, down their necks. These are the games they're going to have to try and find a way to win, we, you know, for their sakes. They would want the break to probably get themselves to regroup and, and get themselves back on track. We we don't expect, you know, West Preston Lakes to be down for too long. That's not usually the case. We know, of course, in 2019, and 6 and they ended up winning the flag. So you can't write them off just yet, but their form in the last couple of months suggests that they need to find some improvements, and we know that Armidside coming back in the last couple of weeks has helped... In that facet, but I think that loss to Heidelberg uh, a couple of weeks ago. Now, um, you know, we have a few people saying it was it might be the changing of the guard. It's probably hard to tell right now, but um, still, if they want to consider themselves as a genuine premiership contender, these are the games they're going to have to win. And it was a team they did beat in round one. It was the the, the match of the day we called for the opening round of the season. They comfortably defeated Bundarra, even. Despite the fact that the depth was really tested with a few late outs in the program uh, in the game, but they you know, able to get the result over a very talented Bandura side who we know are capable of causing some big wins. So an interesting game to there for them to look at here at Yulong Reserve and then looking at the others, well Greensboro Hurstbridge could throw up an interesting prospect too, with you know, on paper it looks like a home and hosed win for the borough, but they actually lost to Hurstbridge in round two. Um, to a big surprise I think to everybody in the competition so probably not one they were expecting to get by but um, Hurstbridge well they haven't had the best of luck in the last month or so but you know it's a a chance for them to you know (laughs) get themselves uh, do the same efforts rather that they did in that round two win and well, if that does be the case, then, you know, I think questions would need to be asked for Greensboro as well. They sit on the same winds as Hurstbridge, Only two points... Oh, sorry, I'll say that again. The same winds as West Preston Lakeside. Only two points above them because of that draw they had um, a couple of weeks ago. So, look, I mean, you know, it's, it's interesting to see what they will do and, and, and whether the borough can respond because they'll be looking to, you know, bounce back from a couple of disappointing losses themselves. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they can continue that run. Heidelberg up against Whittlesea, it's first versus last. Um, Well, actually, not really last at the moment. Whittlesea getting that win over Northcote Park last week means they are off the bottom of the ladder for now, but um, there's there's a bit going on, I think, in terms of how this one might play out purely just for, for the fact that we know that Heidelberg is such a strong side, especially at home. Um, and and the way they've been really beating teams this year, apart from that loss to Montmorency by one point in the first month of the year, you know, they're probably undefeated. They've had some comfortable wins against talented sides. Bandura's one, um, you know, Greensboro was another as well. So if they're able to find a way to push through again Heidelberg, which we assume they would, well, you know, then they're, they're setting themselves up beautifully, beautifully for a minor premiership with about seven games to go, but um, I think it'd take an almighty effort from Whittlesea to cause an upset despite the fact that they'll be coming off a confidence-boosting win and then Nolkut Park are up against Montmorency at Bill Laurie Oval again and game you'd expect the Magpies to take charge in. You know, the Cougars will be disappointed from their efforts last week. Uh, sorry, not last week, the week before against Whittlesea. An opportunity for them to have moved up on the ladder. It didn't really go their way but um, still plenty of time to turn that form around and if they can get a decent result against the Magpies and that might just put them on their way to avoiding the relegation talk for another week. We'll head to MC Labor Division 2 and. They just continue to be ladder-shaping games, these ones. A lot to look forward to in this weekend's action. And I think four of the five games are going to have some big consequences on what these top five will eventually come to, and even, I guess, the bottom two, because Epping and Fitzroy Stars, they take on each other at Epping Recreation Reserve, and they played each other in around one, knees two, and it was the Blues they were able to get the win, but wasn't too convincing. And since then, they haven't been able to, put any similar type of form together with some heavy defeats against the sides above them. The Fitzroy Stars haven't looked like winning recently either, although their best chance came against Panton Hill um, two or three weeks ago now, and they just weren't able to get that four-quarter performance to put them through. But, you know, the Stars are a proud club. They've been a Division Two club for quite a while now, and um, I think if they, if they don't get up against Epping this week, that could be curtains for their Division Two campaign, at least for now. Um, we know that they've, you know, they've, they do have a quality side. They have had many quality sides in the last few years and that that would bounce back regardless. But um, a big game in the context of the season, if the Stars do get over the line and that relegation battle takes um, a lot of noticing, I think, between not only them two, but probably Panton Hill as well, who, you know, have, despite getting those wins against Epping and Fitzroy Stars, can be vulnerable as well. So one want to keep an eye on, on the bottom of the ladder. The top of the ladder, though, between Lower Plenty and Altham, while well, this will be a big game, um, I don't expect it to be as uh, far-fetched as it was in the last time these two played each, in the, each other in the sense that Lower Plenty had a comfortable victory over Altham, and it ends up being the only game that the Panthers have lost to date. They're 8-1, and one, sitting well on top of the ladder with a game clear of second spot, and another win against the Bears this time. Well, you could just about book them in now for a top-five spot, Uh, With the way they've been playing, they would have beaten every side in the competition and they'd be going about their business as well. So, great effort there from Altham to be where they are at the moment. And, you know, I expect them to be... I expect it to be a very good battle against the Bears, um, but I also... Assume that it would be a lot closer than it was the last time these two played out. A win for Lower Plenty here. Well, they could reach as high as second, depending on other results. Although those results might be a little unlikely. But in saying that, it could just get them in touch as, keep them in touch as well with that top spot. Um, they're, they're currently six points behind Altham on the ladder at the moment. Six wins, two losses, and of course that draw to Thomastown, So. Um, A lot to play for here for the Bears as well if they want to get themselves back in that premiership contention. We know they're a strong lineup. Just be about whether they can keep their best team on the park. We know Tom Keyes and Billy Barden have had some injury struggles in the last few weeks as well as Josh Turner. So um, a lot to look forward to in that game. So too in the Diamond Creek and Thomastown game. Now, when these sides played in round one, I think a lot of us were shocked that the Creekers were able to get the result over the Bears I think if the same thing happens this weekend the surprise will be less known but Thomastown well every game almost becomes a must win for them now and it's surprising to say at this point of the season but the reality is they're six points behind fifth place St. Mary's Um, and with St. Mary's and Watsonia playing each other this week as well which we'll get to in a little moment um, another defeat to a top five side is going to just push them further behind the pack and it also means that You know, they'll be 10 points behind fifth spot uh, with just uh, eight games to go, which doesn't put them in great stead for um, a finals berth. And it means it just has to be a big turnaround for them. So, you know, with the break, it might really work for them to, you know, kick things off again. And it's going to have to go right a lot from here. Um, We know they've had some injury struggles and COVID struggles as well. But um, for the Bears... It needs to start from now, or you'd think, against a very talented Diamond Creek side who we think have really taken us by surprise so far this year. We probably didn't expect them to be second at the halfway mark of the year, but here they are playing some fantastic football, getting on a few little win streaks here. And while they haven't been the best against top five sides early, uh, sorry, against sides near them, I mean, they have beaten lower plenty at St. Mary's who are currently fourth and fifth. I think their big tests will be against Altham and Banyul when they play them later down the track Uh, But other than that, Andrew Tranquilli has been able to turn this side into a contender, which has been great to see from a league point of view. We know they were um, a difficult team to beat as well in 2018 as well. They just didn't get there in terms of a grand final spot. 2017 as well was another great year when they did finish runners-up in Division 2. And it looks as though they're getting back to those heights at this point of the season. Um, Whether they can continue this consistent charge towards September will be one to look forward to in their clash with Thomastown. I'd expect the Creekers to get over the line in that one. And in MC Labor Division 2, the other game to look forward to, as I mentioned just before St. Mary's and Watsonia. Now this probably wasn't a clash many were expecting to be a big one coming into it, but it's going to be a monumental game between 5th and 6th, both sitting on 20 points with a 5 and 4 record although St. Mary's have a much superior percentage with a 23% more than the Saints, but Well, Tonya have proven to be a difficult side to beat at times. And, you know, that big win over Thomastown they've had a fortnight ago has put them in really good stead. And this is probably the biggest game they've had since arriving in Division 2 a few years ago now. And they'll be away from home against St. Mary's, who do play their home ground particularly well the one time that uh, I was out there for the match of the day against Diamond Creek. They put up a very gallant performance against a strong Creekers side. They weren't able to get over the line, but the talent is absolutely there. They're both capable of playing finals, I feel like, this year, based on the form they've shown so far. What's only, they've had the big win over Thomastown. They had a, a famous win over oh, plenty in round one, so they're absolutely capable, um, and it'll be their biggest test. If they can get over St. Mary's, They'll put themselves in the top five with just eight games to go and and some consistent form. Could see them make a finals berth, which would be a great story for for George Latouf's side. But for St. Mary's, well, we knew what they were capable of last year. They're showing glimpses of that again. They haven't been able to get their best side on the park at times, but I think they're slowly starting to come together now. The Borough and, and a win against Watsonia will certainly put them um, in a good way heading into the rest of this campaign. And then, We've got a Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3, four intriguing fixtures to look at. Mernda up against Lailor, and again, we probably expect that to be a foregone conclusion in terms of a result there. It is between 6th and 8th, and we know they've had some close games at times. I know Lailor have seen Mernda as a side that they could potentially beat in the previous few years, and apart from the little patch Mernda have had, they've, they've proven that they are capable, not really, I guess, necessarily making finals at this stage, but... You know, it does obviously still think that challenge is still there for the taking, but they've gotten really close against some of these top five sides. We know they've had comfortable wins over Reservoir and Laylor. They got that very big win over Kilmore a few weeks back as well, which you know has put them in every chance, I guess, of making finals. Came really close against Lyman until the last quarter when the power just blew them out of the park as well. So um, if they can build a bit of momentum here and it starts against Laylor and if they're able to just you know, put themselves in a good position heading into, you know, South Morang next week, which should be a very interesting game as well. Um, who knows, they could put up a bit of a challenge, but for Laylor, it'll be just more about getting that improvement, which we know they can. Reservoir up against Laylor at Crisp Park, and, you know, we, we in terms of improvement and development, we know that the Mustangs are doing all they can. They've got their two wins for the season so far, which has been an outstanding achievement considering the positions they have been in the last few years, but... Again, you'd expect Lorimer to be too strong at the moment. They're the ladder leaders for a reason. Eight and one, um, and another wind will still keep them with at least a four-point gap on top of the table. Old Eltham Collegians, well, they suffered their first loss in seven games against Kilmore. was the match of the day that we called out at JJ Clancy Reserve. They come up against Heidelberg West back at home, and you would expect Turtles to respond, but I think it might also have a bit to do with who they've got available. They had a lot of outs in that game against the Blues, a couple of late ones as well, so um, they'll be hoping to get some personnel back for that game against the Hawks side, who were just two games shy of fourth place and Michael Misson would know that they would have to beat some of those top four sides if they want to give themselves every chance at finals and it would start here coming off this Turtles team who are coming off a loss and I guess it'd be a big opportunity for Heidelberg West to make a statement and say we're not out of this too, it's not a four-team competition, Uh, we can definitely put something in. They've got a healthy percentage, they've actually got a percentage better than Kilmores who are in fourth place at the moment but Just more about banking those wins for the team who are currently 4-5 and for the season. And then the final game to look at for Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3, Kilmore and Seth Morang, definitely to match it around in that competition. Kilmore, a nice win. An Eight-point victory over Old Eltham Collegians a fortnight ago. They remain at home against the South Morang side who are just beginning to rejuvenate themselves. The Lions still haven't beaten the top four side so far this year and this is their next chance to do so when they come up against the Blues who shocked them at Mill Park Lace Reserve, um, I think, over a month now ago. So a lot to look forward to in that game. The third versus fourth. You know, Kilmore winning that one would put them very close to the top of the table. You would feel or at least for that top two spot, which we know is very vital in this competition to get that second chance. South Morang, well, they'll want to assert themselves again as a premiership contender, and again, these are the games they have to do it, and it'll be a big test for them to get over the line against Kilmore. In Kilmore, let's head to winning edge Division One women's now. A few games to look forward to here. A Friday night game between Lower Plenty, Bundura and West Preston Lakeside 1. That one should be interesting to look at. I think the match at around in this one goes to Greensborough and Montmorency won. The borough are looking the good so far and this game between fourth and fifth should put a very intriguing contest. We know that you know, Greensboro cable they've had some nice wins in the last few weeks, but Montmorency won, they just hold that fourth spot at the moment and it'll be a test for the borough to see if they can push through and get over the line and keep their finals chances alive. The VU Western Spurs are up against Diamond Creek women's one. We you know the Creekers have been responding since their Uh, their winning streak came to an end a fortnight or so ago and then Heidelberg won while they're up against Darabin one. Then over to SG Print and Paper Division 2 women's and a few games to look forward to there. Of course, we'll speak to the women's coach of the Alpham Football Club uh, in Darren Cardamoni in a few moments time but uh, looking at their fixtures, they are up against Darabin One Now, the Panthers, they're seven wins in a row here so um, this will be looking to make it eight. They lost their first two grading games, but they'll uh, be looking to continue their streak going. They're on top of the ladder only by percentage at the moment to St Mary's, so um, they'll be imperative. It'll be imperative to get those wins when they can. They'll be up against um, a Darabin Two str- side who have struggled at times throughout the year. There's a Saturday afternoon game to look forward to between Banyul and Whittlesey. That's a Beverly Road Oval at 4:45 and. It's another intriguing clash between two top four sides there so a lot to look forward to between the bears and the eagles diamond creek women's two-day host saint mary's and the fitzroy stars take on Montmorency two at sir doug nichols oval and then we'll head over to cleaning melbourne division three women's and um as we uh, approach the last five games of the season there's a lot of intrigue, I think, for the top two spots in the ladder. We know that Mernda have had a dominant start to the season's campaign, but the likes of Hurstbridge and West Preston Lakeside, well, they're sticking around too and they're making things very difficult. It's not home and hose yet for a Mernda side. They're up against Wallen away from home at Wallen Recreational Reserve. Lorimer, they take on Hurstbridge in the 4:15 game at Lorimer Reserve. And then West Preston Lakeside too, well, they host the winless Heidelberg two-side at J.E. Moore Park. But with all those previews, you can always check out all the live scores when you can on the NFNL website throughout Saturday and Sunday's matches. But speaking of the women's competition, we'll have a chat now to the senior women's coach of the Alpham Football Club in Darren (laughs) Cardamone. Now joining us on the NFNL podcast is the senior women's coach of the Alpham Football Club in Darren Cardamoni. Darren, thank you so much for coming on and giving us some of your time for this edition of the pod. No, no problem. Thanks for having me. Uh, you know, just coming off the Queen's birthday break now, I'm sure a good chance to, you know, rest the muscles and and get yourself set for what I'm sure will be a very busy month or so ahead for your side, I'm, I'm, I'm sure the girls are really enjoying the break as well, just getting them to, to refocus again on, on another big uh, rest of the year. That's
3: Yeah, that's exactly it. We had a few sore bodies coming into the break, and uh, probably that last game was probably one of the wettest and coldest days I think we've ever played in, mate. So it was uh, very good to get a week's break for sure. Rest up and, uh, yeah, attack the, the later part of the season.
0: It's been a very encouraging campaign so far, you know, seven wins in a row after losing the first two grading games and, and you know, really starting to build a consistent brand of football. How encouraging and rewarding has it been to see your team play the way they have in the last couple of months?
3: Yeah, it has been. And, and even with the two losses that we did have in grading, there were signs that we showed for the first game when we played West Preston in the first grading game. There were signs there, you know, like it was, the scoreboard didn't show it, but there were some encouraging signs there with a lot of new players and a lot of turnover from last year's team. And a lot of different girls stepping up throughout, the, especially the last seven games. Every week we haven't had to rely on the same three or four girls each week to get us through the games. Each week there's a, a different array of best players, and it's, that's one of the hard, one of the pleasing things about being, being involved is seeing the development of a lot of girls who have really come on throughout, not just from last year, but through pre-season into now, and their skill sets are changing, different roles, and just seeing the side grow and just getting more and more confident, playing with each other for starters. To like I said, we've had about 15 new players come through from last season. So it's, it's really encouraging, and now the girls are starting to show what they're capable of.
0: You, you spoke about having, you know, the changes that you had uh, over the off-season. I guess that may have been a factor into you know, beginning the season in Division 2. you obviously in the top flight last year and still had a very encouraging season um, before it got shortened, unfortunately. But has a yeah. big factor of the motivation this year been to get back to that Division 1 status in, in the near future? Or has it been more about, as you say, developing and, and just gelling the team um, with all these new players coming in?
3: Yeah, it's a bit, a bit of both. Because a lot of the girls who did play last season, you know, it's a bit of a bit of pill to swallow going back to Divi 2. Um... For, for those girls. But for the other girls, we've got a lot of girls who haven't played footy before. And this is their first season. So them just learning one, you know, football itself and, and playing in in the different roles and different positions and stuff like that. And and just getting them to, you know, just play together and being a being a competitive unit every week is one thing we strive to do. And even when we played Diddy one last year, that was our goal was to be competitive every week and just keep learning and keep keep trying to be better. And that's one thing the girls have really taken on board this year is everyone wants to play their role and be a part of the team aspects and just keep continuing to grow our team into hopefully in years to come to be a, a, a Division one side constantly. So that's definitely a goal of ours to get back up into the top flight for sure.
0: You mentioned how it's great to see that, you know, there hasn't been a reliance so much on on individual plays. But I should mention Alana Murray, who's had a fantastic year to date. Um, You know, she's in the top five of the coaches MVP voting and has had, you know, some really great games along the way. What's made her such a standout at times throughout the season? And and as someone that, you know, the other players in the team can really rely on to, um, you know, take that next step.
3: Yeah, one thing with Alana, it, it's one thing that the last few years when I've been coaching, she's always had injuries and never been able to get a consistent run at football. She's always shown ability and how good she can be. And she's basically, I think she's missed two sessions from pre-season to now training-wise. Uh, she's taken her training to game day and just been confident in the way she plays. She's got a great skill set. And she's just one of those players that just, as the game goes on, she just gets better and better as, as, as the game goes. So she might have a quiet first quarter, but you know, second quarter, she's going to hit back. And one ability she's got, she can play virtually anywhere. She can go down forward, kick a goal, but she can go through the middle and be very damaging. And she's just a, a tough, hard footballer too, which is, you know, they're great to coach those type of players because you know what you're going to get every week from them. And being, like I said, being out there consistently, has obviously just made her into a better player. And getting those games under her belt is just showing what she can do.
0: There's a few others as well that have had some great patches of form. Jackie White and Sienna Gunning, I think are two that you know, I continue to see in the best every week, which, yeah. which just shows you know their talents. Has there been maybe anyone else or, or others that you felt like have really taken their game up to the next level that you've been impressed with their development or, or someone that we can watch out for in the coming years?
3: Oh yeah, no. There's definitely like Jackie and Sienna. They're they're, our, they're virtually our two bookings, centre forward, centre half back, and they're, they're they're just constant contributors every week. You know what you're going to get from them. They always give their all out onto the field. But yeah, no, we've we've got a, a few players. Like I said, the beauty of it, we'll have two or three weeks where someone will just play really good football, like Sarah Huntington and also Shannon Ashby running through the ruck in centre half forward and centre half back. And, like she can play in any position uh, there's also up forward you've got, you've got Kate Cardamone who, who pops up and in like the game against St Mary she was having an ordinary game that kicks three goals in five minutes, so the reliance isn't on one player so the beauty of it is each week we've got, yeah, like I said, three or four that will pop up and, and, and help out the likes of Alana and Jackie and Sienna, if they're having an off day I can rely on those girls to really stand up and deliver for us
0: Um, we weren't lying when it said it was a a big few weeks to go for the home and away season you play the top three sides in the last three weeks of the home and away campaign Um, tell me a a bit about the expectations obviously with the start you've had I guess you know it'd be nothing less than at least you know a finals appearance and and probably going all the way but you know with the break now being able to to reset and, and attacking those last three weeks what do you expect your squad to deliver?
3: Yeah, oh, I'm going to sound like a coach here, mate. We're not, not looking <laughs> too much past Darabin this week, mate, because you don't know what you're going to get week in, week out in this competition, mate. So, Darabin are first on our minds. But now we, I wouldn't lie if I said we haven't looked ahead and seen the last three or well, last four rounds, mate. Fitzroy as well in there. That was a tough game and a hard, hard game for us when we played them the first time around. But yeah, it's definitely going to see where we're at. Ben, uh, you'll beat us in the grading game. So that's one game that we want to see where we're at and see how far we have improved, uh, but yeah no, look, the St. Mary's game a few weeks back that, that listed a kick in it, that could have gone either way, it's a very even competition up the top end of the ladder mate, so it's, it's yeah, finals are definitely where we want to be playing and you know, if we win all, all five games that's our best chance of of going all the way, but yeah, this week we're going to get over Darabin first mate and then um, yeah, look forward to the following games after that
0: and then just finally, Darren, you know, you've been in, in the coaching ranks for the Panthers now for at least the last few years. Um, you know, you, you spoke at the start of our chat about how impressed you've been with the development and how pleasing it is to see them continue to improve from week to week. Um, What's different about, I guess, this year's team that, you know, has really caught your eye in terms of, is it is it a whole team bonding thing? Is it, you know, individually? Is it skill set? Is it, you know, structure? What what has it been about this year you felt that has really impressed you?
3: Oh, this is probably the first time in, in, the, in the, the years I've been coaching and we've actually had a, a settled squad uh, leading into 2021 season, you know, we're struggling to get more than probably 10 to 15 at training week in week out and leading into the first game we were sort of struggling for numbers and that season and, and to make it into DD1 was a real oh, the girls exceeded their expectations and they didn't think they could play at that level and then to win a few games up at that level and and know that they could belong there uh, gave them more all- those girls have kept playing confidence. And this season, mate, it's purely just been a reliance on one or two players. Because last year we had we had, a re- really, well, we had a player in our side who was jugged second best in the league for coaches' votes and, and in the best and fairest. And she's uh, moved on f- for a career change. So it's given other girls opportunities that they wouldn't have had if she was still there. Um, and it's just now the reliance on the group uh, it's just, a, a, like I said, we can go out there and we know we've got 10, 12, 18 players every week who are going to try and and give their all. And it, it's their skill set's just improved. And just, just playing together over a couple of years, or a couple of, sorry, the first four, uh, 10 or so games, it just made them improve their skill sets and just learn to play with each other. And that's the most pleasing thing. If they're having fun, mate, and they're enjoying being there, that's the best part about coaching.
0: That's a quite great way, I think, to uh, wrap up this chat. It's, it's pleasing to see so many um, positives that are coming out from the Eltham Women's Program. And I'm, as I said off the top, I'm sure there'll be um, many more memories to look forward to for Eltham in at least the next few months. But until then, we appreciate you coming on and, and having a chat and all the best for the rest of the 2022
3: campaign. No, no worries. Thanks for having me today, mate. Thank you.
0: That was Darren Cardamone, the senior women's coach of the Altham Football Club. A bit of an insight there into the happenings with the Panthers women's football program. And I'm sure they'll be doing great things once finals come around. But that's all we have time for on this week's edition of the NFNL podcast. Be sure to keep up with all the latest news and updates on our website, nfnl.org. A- U. Until next time, I've been your host, Nicholas Sacco, and you've been listening to the NFNL Podcast.